Hi, everybody. I'm Emily Ramshaw. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Texas Tribune. And thanks so much for joining us at this year's Texas Tribune Festival uh, for what's sure to be a totally boring conversation. Um, <laughs> I know this is a hot topic, um, but before we begin, I just want to remind you all that Alamo Drafthouse rules apply here. Um, we are having a hopefully semi-civil conversation, and um, I'm hoping we're going to be able to listen to these folks and, and respect everybody's opinions without a whole bunch of uh, outbursts from the audience. There will be a solid 20 minutes of Q&A at the end, so please, if you can hold your questions until then, that would be wonderful. Um, in the meantime, silence your cell phones, and if you are tweeting, which I encourage you to do, the hashtag is TTF. Um, all right, so just to, to jump in here, Texas's GOP leaders have said they could push legislation in the 2017 session that requires people, and in particular students, to use the bathrooms of the sex they were born with, not the gender they identify with. Uh, on the yes side of this is, this is the sort of this is essential side of the equation, we've got State Representative Matt Krause, Republican of Fort Worth. Krause is a constitutional attorney and American history and government professor. And we have Jonathan Sines, president of the nonprofit conservative organization Texas Values. He's worked to help pass laws to protect religious liberty and advance Bible curriculum in public schools. And on the no, this is preposterous side, we have State Representative Rafael Anchia, Democrat of Dallas. Anchia is managing partner of Civitas Capital, a private equity firm, and of counsel for the Haynes and Boone Law Firm. And Kathy Miller, president of the Texas Freedom Network, a religious freedom organization. Uh, she previously worked for the Texas Council on Family Violence and the National Domestic Violence Hotline. So launching right in, uh, for those of you who support this type of legislation, why now? I mean, why is there some moral imperative for this in 2016 uh, that, that didn't exist in years past to define where a, a child can go to the bathroom? You want me to start? Either one of you, sure. jump in. Well, I, I think what we've seen is movement on the other side to force the issue. I, I think if everything had kind of stayed as a status quo, you wouldn't have seen those efforts. Uh, in North Carolina, the thing that started all of that off was uh, the Charlotte City Council uh, making their ordinance that uh, opened up uh, those facilities. And then in Texas, you saw it in Fort Worth ISD and others where they said, hey, we're going to change the existing structure. And so once that happens, then I think people who uh, see this as uh, something that's unwise and concerning then have to push back. So I think that's why it's come in this uh, in, in this time, in this place, is because there are some who are forcing the issue, the others are responding. Uh, the president with his directive as well uh, added to that conversation. So I think that's why you're seeing it now in 2016 because others are moving towards it and you've got to have that dialogue pushing back and forth. Yeah, and I'll um, add to that. There's no question the reason that we're involved in this discussion. The reason that we're even having a panel discussion about this issue is because the federal government and the local governments in different states have been pushing government control and policies that the people have rejected. We've seen it happen in Fort Worth. We've seen it happen in Houston. Let's not forget, less than a year ago, we had the city of Houston vote on this issue. Um, when it deals with the issue of gender identity that impacts public facilities, the government trying to tell people that you've got to allow men into women's bathrooms. And the people said no to that. And it wasn't even close. It was 61-39. And so then you saw the local government, after that was rejected, you saw the local government in Charlotte try to institute something. The people weren't happy with it. They tried to do it again. The state felt like they had to jump in. And then that wasn't good enough. The federal government with, with President Obama had to push forth a directive, making it clear that now they were coming forward and saying, yes, we are talking about bathrooms. Because four, 
there was some discussion about, oh, this isn't really about bathrooms. So now, yes, it is about bathrooms, and they made it very specific, forcing every public school district in the country to allow boys into girls' bathrooms, and not just about the bathroom issues, but dealing with the issues um, when it comes to athletics. And Fort Worth was one of the most egregious examples. When we saw them take cue from Obama and not only have a policy that would allow boys into girls' bathrooms, but would have violated the parental rights of parents, where the, the students at that school were engaged in these type of activities where they called themselves the different names, and they were allowing students to do that, forcing uh, the administrators at the school to call them by different names and accommodate them, and never telling the parents. These type of policies the people have said they don't want. So now the state's left with no position. If the local government and federal government is going to continue to push and push on this issue, I think it should be no surprise that state leaders are going to say, we're going to set some standards on how these issues are handled to protect the privacy and safety of all people. So I have a different story to tell about how this all got started. <laughs> it's not Obama's fault? <laughs> Everything's Obama's fault, don't you know? Um, more months. <laughs> I mean, really, there's been a rash of bathroom build, like there were going to be way too many bad puns and all kinds of odd comments here, but there's been a number of, ba of bathroom bills, bathroom legislation that has kind of ramped up, all really since the Supreme Court ruled on marriage equality. And there have been, um, there have been states and local governments, cities and counties and school districts who have had non-discrimination policies for years. And there have been no instances where um, there has been a need for some form of protection in the bathroom. This is a dog whistle about LGBT equality. Um, it was, the dog whistle was religious freedom. And when Indiana passed their religious freedom bill, there was a huge outcry and backlash from business and from the public and a new catchphrase needed to be found, a new bumper sticker, and no men in women's bathrooms became the bumper sticker. But to be clear, um, extending equality to LGBT citizens is not about men in women's bathrooms. And when we talk about this issue, we do more harm than good. We solve zero problems because there were no issues, no issues in all the states and counties and cities and school districts that allowed for this kind of equality and recognition. And so we solve no problems, but we create a host of others. That's really, I mean, honestly, it's damaging to local, to police and local school districts and our courts if we pass a bill like this. How are we going to monitor it and police it? It's damaging to the issue of sexual assault, which they pretend this is about, because real sexual assault needs to be addressed with, by real solutions and not a false boogeyman. It's harmful to business, right? Biz, uh, more than 1,000 businesses in Texas have signed a pledge to extend equality and make Texas a welcoming state. It's harmful to our future because millennials and people under 30 want an open, diverse, welcoming environment. And it's damaging to transgender individuals who absolutely deserve the dignity and human respect that everyone else does. So should the Obama administration have just stayed out of this? Would we not even be having this conversation if they hadn't well, brought I mean, back to the table? So I, I would say this. You know, when we talk about bathrooms, we, we really misconstrue 
the, the, the topic. The topic is about protecting some of the most vulnerable children in our society. Um, you know, trans youth suffer from a couple of different things. One is a lack of familiarity by the general population. I mean, how many people know a trans youth here? Anybody? I guess some. But a majority of the room doesn't, right? So in that, in that space of lack of familiarity, you have, um, you have fear by some, and, and some are really, really good at being merchants of that fear and, and wanting to scare people that boys are going to come into your daughter's bathroom. So they really seize on that, uh, on that lack of familiarity and use it as a political tool. Um, and then you also, instead of taking that lack of familiarity and, that, and using that space to create dialogue and to educate people about the challenges that trans youth face. And um, before, I'll just, you know, the statistics, most people should know the statistics. There, there are about 1.4 million transgender uh, people in the United States. Um, with respect to transgender youth, the suicide rate is almost uh, 50%. Uh, almost 80% of transgender youth identify harassment, uh, significant harassment or bullying at school. Uh, and if, if you really cared about kids, especially these kids, we wouldn't be sort of selling fear and hate. We'd want to be instituting protections, which is what all these local governments have tried to do, and that's what the Obama administration has tried to do as well. Before coming, I, I, I represent a, a very large LGBT population in the district, in District 103 in Dallas, and um, I, I, in one of my neighbors, uh, who uh, this, this constituent who is uh, a trans male, uh, used to babysit my daughters, um, and so I sat down with him. We went and, and visited, and he and his mother. And uh, his mother pointed out something really, really powerful. Because I'm still learning about this too. You know, I'm, I'm no expert, even though I've been sort of steeped in in, in LGBTQ issues for for over a decade, ever since I've been um, uh, elected in office. And she said, "You know what? You know why we need these protections and why we need these conversations? Because I'd rather have a live son than a dead daughter." So what Representative Antio basically said to you guys in not so many words is you don't care about trans kids. So I mean, is that true? And, and if is it's not... Well, I'm, I'm just joking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do believe people are using this to score political points in, instead of trying to protect some of the most vulnerable kids in our, in our society. I do believe that. So what's, what is the... First of all, so I mean, what's, what's the solution then for you all if the solution is not letting them use the bathroom of the gender they identify with? Well, it did. And just as uh, to preface my remarks, and I, I speak for myself, I think I speak for a lot who are on my side of the issue. You said it, it's not about men in women's restrooms, but I think that actually is what it's about because I know for me, it's not about the transgender community. Uh, more than likely, all of us have used the restroom with somebody who's from the transgender community, not even noticed it, not been a big deal. The more I researched this, the more I came across a lot of testimonials where people from the transgender community said, hey, this hasn't been an issue. I've been transgender for nine years. I'm six foot four. Uh, I dress like a woman. I go into the bathroom. It hasn't been an issue for years. And so to me, it's not about the transgendered individuals. Those statistics you just gave about the suicide rates of transgendered individuals are heartbreaking. They're horrific, and I, I would love to work with people to make sure to see what we could do to cut those down. That's, that's horrible, and we need to do that. This issue to me is about giving license to those who want to use these laws for bad purposes 
making sure they don't have that. Are people going to do things wrong anyway sometimes? Yes. Are people going to try to get around laws all the time? Of course they are. But we've seen instances even uh, in Texas in the last year at Target stores, which have been uh, a huge focus of the issue in Cedar Park. We just saw one in Frisco the other day where men have used these new rules, these new uh, policies to do what they could not do legally. And so we've seen it time and time again. They tried to others. do what they could not do legally. Well, they, they're not supposed to go into the women's restroom, but they're using these new bathroom policies to go in and film women changing, going to the bathroom, things of that nature. So could so, that happen so without those laws? So these men have affirmatively laws? said that, that I am, I am a trans man and that's why I went into film? But it's not. Or they wore dresses, they dressed up? They that's dressed not up the, to do that? And that's, well, there are Because there are zero cases, by the way, uh, well, nationwide, there are zero cases of people using the pretext. Let's just get, let's just not, let's not use hyperbole or, or, or make things up. There are zero cases. We looked into this. No cases. Well, Mr. Um, Chairman. So, and I'll, yeah, go ahead. There, there's a, there's a case, well, look, there's one, I mean, there's several cases, and there's one, and I don't know if it was in your district, if Parkland Hospital's in your district, but there's a case of Just a man. Just outside. Yeah, there's a case of a man that dressed up as a woman in Dallas, went into Parkland Hospital. There were women in the women's bathroom, and, um, you know, he was cited for it, and there was some concern that he was going to be prosecuted as a biological man for going into the women's bathroom, and where the woman and her daughter that were in there were very concerned and upset about that. So there are a number of cases, and so. But again, uh, cited for what? For going in, or for doing something that was, you know, harmful to those well, women? Okay, so, well, first of all, going into the bathroom where he's not supposed to be is a is a violation of privacy. So I. For, and so, there's a law that covers that. So. So Title 42, Section 9 covers that already. It yeah. is already illegal to do that. And if he so, was cited, he'd be cited under that provision. So he used the laws in place in Dallas as a protection so he wasn't prosecuted for just going into the bathroom, even though he didn't identify, even though he wasn't a biological male, a bi biological woman. So he was a biological male going into the women's bathroom. Just his presence alone is very concerning to women. And I think that's what's being missed in this discussion, okay, is that you have... Women that are in the bathroom, that just because the presence of a biological male and they're aware of that, for whatever reason they come uh, across that, it's traumatizing, it's concerning. Think about women who've suffered sexual assaults, who are victims. There's actually a website too called Ask Me First Please. It's an effort where women are saying, nobody asked us. The Obama administration didn't ask us about this. Alliance Defending Freedom also has a website, a video of women that are coming forward talking about how they were traumatized and they were victims of sexual assault. And now they're reliving some of that just when a man enters the bathroom. It's not just about a lock on the stall. It's about the reasonable expectation of privacy that the bathroom door provides. And women and children continue to be snuck up on. It's happened in Seattle. You talked about Target. And it creates an environment. When you have a nationwide policy, when you have folks that are pushing new laws, government intruding on people and saying, this is how it has to be done. You can't even raise a question if the wrong person goes into the bathroom or you might get in trouble. The concern is it creates an environment where nobody's guarding the bathroom door. Law, well, so nobody is guarding the bathroom door, and that is a problem in and of itself. But laws expanding equality and civil rights are not new. Even laws expanding equality and civil rights to LGBT citizens are not new. This is not a new, you know, fad or something, right? So the bathroom has been a central, I mean, 
bathrooms have mattered in civil rights struggles for a really long time. Um, they used to post signs above bathrooms about what color your skin was and whether or not you could use it. Uh, when women entered the workforce, they didn't have bathrooms. There, there's been an issue. Um, people with disabilities have fought for bathroom equality. It certainly, I will agree with you all that it is a place where, oops, people feel vulnerable maybe, or it gets at something, right? It gets at something, which is why it's an effective political message and a terrible public policy, because what we really need is a place where everyone can feel safe, and by scapegoating um, certain individuals or, or cl claiming nefarious purposes that have not been uncovered, um, what we are doing is harming transgender folks, scapegoating transgender folks, creating a sense of fear and hysteria around an issue rather than addressing the real problems. If we have concerns about safety and privacy in sexual assault, then we need to address sexual assault and safe relationships and how we educate folks. And I'd be happy to work with Representative Krauss on quality and comprehensive sex education where we talk about healthy relationships. I would be happy to do that work. Why is, why is a, a single stall, um, you know, gender neutral bathroom not, uh, not enough of a solution? Well, it should be. I mean, for, for um, this, uh, this trans constituent that I have, uh, he goes to a very elite private school in, in uh, Dallas. And you know what? The whole campus has rallied around him. Uh, the administration was very proactive, helpful, accommodating. And that's really where these decisions need to occur, but right? That, but that's enough for you. Is a, is a separate and apart, you know, gender-neutral bathroom? No. Right? No. That's what I'm asking. No, no. Why is that not enough then for folks on your side of this? It may be enough depending on the student, right? I mean, it, there needs to be a case-by-case -case analysis of how that student may be impacted by, by the environment. Uh, if that student is in certain sports, there may need to be an accommodation there. If that student is in, um, has, has certain other special needs, there may be an accommodation there. So, so just to have a bright line, I think, is, is an inartful tool. And for the state to want to trump local action and local accommodation is the worst kind of public policy at all. I mean, this state... Uh, well, not if and it's state, putting and state at leaders, risk. I mean, but there's no evidence of that. I mean, you guys just make that up. Wait, I, I, mean, I know you want to say there are that we zero keep, cases. I've already already cited one to you right outside of your. You district. cited a case you where said, someone said they were bothered right. by a man being in a bathroom. This is not about a man being in a bathroom. Well, well that go ahead. There, there are some other instances out east. You had a situation where a man used a wig and fake breasts to go into a women's restroom and videotape individuals. And you know what? That's already illegal, right? Yes. Is that not illegal? Yes. And, well, it, yes. That's already illegal. It's already illegal. But that's what we're saying. Problem solved. But also, by the way, that's not a trans man. Yeah. Well, right, exactly. And that's what That's I'm your saying. definition. Well, I mean, what, well, what's what is yours? It? What's what, yours? What, and what's the legislature's? What's your what's, what's the federal government? And so this is where we get to where we don't have a clear standard in place on some of these issues. And I thought it was interesting we had this discussion about whether a single stall bathroom, a if the issue is about someone who's transgender or is having an uncomfortable situation in the bathroom, and they're given access, they're accommodated by having a private bathroom, there's nobody else in there. So you could see how some people think, well, that would make them comfortable. That's being rejected. That was rejected in North Carolina. Uh, the Obama administration is rejecting that. They want there to not be any real standard. Yeah. And, and men and women's bathrooms may not bother you, Kathy, but it bothers a lot of other people. It was 6139 in Houston. That's how many people were bothered. With a record turnout 
in Republican and Democratic districts sending a very clear message that privacy and safety matter. When you have the government passing sweeping laws on these issues, that impact everyone. It doesn't just impact the experience of the, of the transgender individual. It impacts the other people. So you've got to balance those interests, and that is the discussion that's talk, being talked about at the website, Ask Me First, Please, and has been left out of this discussion. M Mr. Chairman, if I could follow with yours, uh, I think what you said is great. In my research, I did not find one instance where a transgendered person had committed one of these sexual assaults, committed one of these crimes. I never saw it, which for me, again, goes back to my issue is not with the transgender community. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with those who are using these laws, who are using these to go in and make it their access a little bit easier so for their so we would you So you would support legislation acknowledging gender identity and establishing protections for gender, for transgender individuals, and somehow... Uh, escalating or elevating privacy and sexual assault concerns that are legitimate. So you, you're cool with non-discrimination protections that include gender identity and... Look what happened in Washington at a, at a public pool. A guy went into the women's restroom or the women's locker room and uh, he started undressing. And they said, oh, you, you can't do that. You're a guy. You can't do that. He said, yeah, based on our new laws, I can do whatever I want. And they, they said, hey, can you do That's this? That's a direct said, quote. No, it's not a direct oh, okay. quote. Right. I'm paraphrasing, Chairman. That's a, that's a, I'm paraphrasing. So, right. so what happens is that there's a whole issue, and then he comes back again later when underage girls are undressing, getting into their swimsuits. And this guy wasn't a transgender guy. He wasn't saying he was uh, his gender identity. He was a woman. It's a guy in board shorts who just used the new law on gender identity, the non-discrimination, to make all these women and these little girls uncomfortable with that. So Address the problem, then. Do not address the... Uh, what's the do problem not, at that point? Well, I don't... I, I still haven't heard a, uh, an actual case where the laws have been used to cause That was in Washington harm. State. And you are talking, you are still talking about a bad actor, right? So what you're saying is it's okay to scapegoat folks and to cause fear and a misunderstanding of what it is to be transgender in order to address a problem that we could a non-existent problem, but in your mind a problem, a problem that we could address otherwise first. Second, uh, a, a single uh, unisex bathroom would be great if it were available to everyone, if it didn't single out a teenager. Like, come on. I'm a mom. My kids are, you know, I have a 20-something and an 18-year-old, so I'm living with the teenager world. Um, you have to go to the nurse's unisex bathroom. You have to leave class to do it. You're called out and singled out. We know what high school is like. That is not equality. That is inequality. Separate but equal has not ever been, well, I won't say ever, right? It used to wrongfully be recognized as equal, but it's not, right? We're talking about equality. That is a value that is more important than your circumstance of a single bad actor in Target or Washington. We are talking about respecting the dignity of folks. We're talking about people who are vulnerable. And, and, look. and, and, and you have yet to provide a problem that this solves because right now in Texas, there isn't a statewide non-discrimination ordinance, but I have been in many men's bathrooms. I'll have to be honest with you all, right? Because the lines are long and that doesn't seem to be a problem. And there's no one guarding or policing the bathroom today. I don't carry my birth certificate with me to prove what my designated sex was at birth. 
You aren't identifying a problem, you're scapegoating, and it's a dog whistle. Well, look, it's political. Is, uh, as I'm we talked about, the government at the federal and local level have been pushing these policies that have changed what Title IX has said for decades that you can have sex segregated bathrooms, you can have a men's bathroom, you can have men and women's what? athletics teams. But the Obama administration, and look, this is the reality. When you have the federal government try to push a law and policy that they could not get through congressional, we should all be concerned about this type of action that hasn't been vetted and hasn't been approved. We've seen these things pushed and they've been rejected time and time again in cities. The Obama administration is going so far now to mandate that even at women's shelters, for women that have been battered and abused, that these type of policies exist to where biological men can be a part of a women's shelter. That is going to make women uncomfortable, and I think that is being overlooked at how you balance these issues and not overlook the other people in the situation they're put in and their legitimate concerns. It cracks me up because, because you, you know, if you believe that the federal government is preempting states and mandating things, then your response is for the state to preempt local governments and mandate things. That makes no sense at all. And, and look, do you know what Title 42, Section 9, Subsection 11A says in, in Texas Penal Code? Any idea? Why don't you tell us? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> it says that if you are in a place where you have an expectation of privacy and someone enters that place and is looking at you, peeping, et cetera, it's against the law. Yep. And that exists, has always existed. Laws against sexual assault exist. Laws against simple ass assault exists. We don't need state government trying to invent another law. The laws are in place. It, you know, it's, it's curious that people who wanna, who, who wanna come up with a solution on this don't work on penalty enhancements for those issues. They want to create this new category, this new state regulatory construct that business is completely against, by the way, in order to solve this quote unquote problem. All right, I knew I wasn't going to have to work today, but I am going to ask a couple <laughs> yeah. of questions. Um, I would like to talk about those business implications for a second. First of all, I'm going to throw in two questions since I rarely get to ask them. The first is I want you to forecast how likely this is to pass in the upcoming legislative session to get filed and passed. The second is if it passes, because we are familiar with our Texas legislature, what are the business implications going to be? Are we going to, you know, I mean, Texas is home to the Final Four championship in San Antonio in 2018, I think it is. I mean, what, are we going to lose that kind of business? Well, let me say this first of all. We talk about it. Uh, the people that Representative Anchia and probably himself and others that support some of these measures like Houston and others, they've been pushing this type of legislation at the state level. So it's not like, oh, Republicans are now going to come in and come up with like one bill. They've been pushing to change, to have policies that would have been similar to Houston, that would allow biological men into women's bathrooms. So I'm sure they've got a whole uh, suitcase of laws of their own that they're going to be advocating. True, but the and they're Lieutenant try Governor to push. has made this. I, I understand that. But let's be clear on what is going to be happening at the legislature in the back and forth on some of these issues. Let's talk about the business side of it. After Houston voted down an ordinance very similar to what you see in North Carolina and other parts of the countries, guess what? The NFL issued a statement the next day. The Super Bowl is going nowhere because people were asking. The NCAA Final Four was held in Houston. And we're one not, month and, later, they and, changed their policy 
about consideration of cities, Look. and they have decided that they will think about inclusiveness, and they have announced that they will not put their major events They're... in North Carolina, which did pass a statewide bill That's on exhibit bathrooms. A. There, North Carolina's there, Exhibit A. Yes, the, Exhibit A. First of all, that issue is not over, um, because we've seen people in North Carolina standing their ground. We realize that folks that are involved with pushing these people uh, policies that allow men and women's bathrooms want to use politics and bullying tactics to hurt people financially, okay? That's why they pulled out of some of these things in North Carolina. They're trying to twist the arm of folks in North Carolina, and the governor and those people are standing firm. But you know where the in in economic impact really has shown up in a natural and direct way is at Target, where they've instituted a policy like this. And their numbers have gone down. They've invested $20 million in putting in single-stall bathrooms because they're losing tons of business. So we have not seen any correlation to these type of issues having an economic impact um, on the type of policy, particularly Texas. Texas voted down that issue in Houston, and we're one of the best places for business. And so, so you know, you can difference. make the arguments politically, and you can use those tactics to pull them to try to bully people to get out of the state. Um, but it's but the impacts. Uh, North Carolina's business continues to be strong in spite of these political maneuvers lately. And the NBA had a deal in place. There was a compromise in place. McCory met with transgender people, just like Paxson. Paxson's met with transgender families of transgender child. They have met with them, and they made compromises. And you know what? It wasn't good enough um, for the folks on the other side, on the LGBT side, advocating it, and they called the deal off, and that's when the NBA pulled out. So North we Carolina. would be, uh, we'd be a, a, we'd look at compromising and coming up with accommodations, but the accommodations that have been offered so far seem to never be good enough, and the list continues to go on. They want BYU and other um, universities kicked out of the NCAA. They don't even want them to play sports if they don't allow men into women's bathrooms. That's where this issue is gone. North Carolina. More than 200 major CEOs and business leaders signed an open letter calling for repeal of HB2. Many of North Carolina's largest employers, including major film studios and PayPal and Deutsche Bank, have stopped investments in the state. Did PayPal Artists move out of the state? I'm Did sorry, I let you go, so Did let PayPal, me complete. Did PayPal move out Artists, of the state? Artists, including Beyonce They're and still there. Springsteen, have refused to um, perform there. And the Charlotte Chamber said in May, Chamber of Commerce said in May, that it has cost their area alone $285 million and 1,300 jobs. Moreover, in August last month, the Harvard Business Review did a study about how non-discrimination ordinances uh, attract business. They said that those who are more, more likely to be younger and better educated, are more likely to come from diverse backgrounds, are willing to move to states and work in industries that are open to diversity and have non-discrimination ordinances. When a state adopts an, a non-discrimination ordinance, a large number of inventors relocate from other states to that state within three years. The inventors who move in tend to produce 30% more patents than the, than the inventors moving out. Firms headquartered in states that passed ENDAs have an 8% increase in the number of patents and an 11% increase in the number of patent citations. The innovation class, the creative class, the businesses that are moving to Texas are caring about this issue. They're asking the question. Houston is a city, Texas is a state. When North Carolina, the state, passed a bill that limited equality, they suffered major economic consequences, and I think that's instructive for the state of Texas. Well, California, New York, and some of these other states have statewide policies like that, and they are at the bottom of the list when it comes to business. California is like, ahead of Texas right yeah, now, by the way. Uh, Just FYI. Not anywhere close. Texas, for over 10 years, created continues more to jobs than Texas last year. Yeah. Created more jobs. So, so I'm a businessman. 
I serve in a citizen legislature, but I am a businessman. I'm a managing director of an uh, international private equity firm uh, specializes in real estate, and I'm a corporate finance lawyer with the largest law firm in Dallas. And uh, both those firms, by the way, are members of Texas Competes, uh, and I'm very, very proud of that. Uh, and uh, the Chambers of Commerce and Convention and Visitors Bureaus all over the state are going to work against this bill. Those in the largest and most conservative business organization in the state, the Texas Association of Business, is going to work against this bill uh, because it's bad for business and uh, it's bad for the state. And I believe that if the business community, the faith community, uh, and uh, opinion leaders who understand needing to protect the most vulnerable children and people in our society stand up, this bill will not pass. Well, uh, before I talk about the NCAA and the business, I wanted to go back to Chairman Inchia's comment about the, the quote, I would never want to mislead you on anything. So uh, this is from the news story. The women inside the locker room at the time attempted to kick him out, but the guy refused and said, quote, the law has changed and I have a right to be there. So he did use that as his actual uh, appreciation. I think it sums up one What's the source? What's the source? The New York Daily News. Do you not agree with that? I, I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. And so Wait, what, if a person right says the law has changed so I have the right to do this, does that mean they do have the right to do it, Representative Krause? Well, according to this, yeah, it did because the way that the city wrote the law, he did have a right to be there. And it's why one of the ladies in that restaurant or in that locker room, she said, and I think this speaks for a lot of people, says, we're not here saying that the transgender community are predators. We will never say that because we don't believe that. Same as me. What we do believe is that this code is so poorly written that predators will abuse it. We know it because we've lived it. So, well, I'm just so what are your policy proposals to uh, uh, to help transgender people? Since you have articulated a uh, a desire to help them, I know that is not the right thing to do. I am. I would love to talk well, with you more about. I don't. As you said, you're learning about it. You're probably light years ahead of me than I am on it. I would love to come to your office and talk about so, it. So you would agree that we shouldn't act at a statewide level uh, until we learn a little bit more about it, right? I agree that if localities will stop pushing things that I think are harmful and concerning, then yes, the state could look at it. But as long as they do that, then yes, you, sometimes you do have to step in. If I could address the NCAA real quick, um, I don't know what legislation is gonna be offered this session, so I can't really say will it pass or will it not. Uh, some people have said we need to have one that includes private businesses as well. I think private businesses should be able to make their own decisions on what they do. Uh, let like Target? Take, yeah, let, let, I may not agree with it, but they have every right to do it. Um, but that doesn't mean I agree with it. I still think it's harmful. But with the NCAA, the NBA, all those, Bruce Springsteen, Brian Adams, I just wish they would be consistent, right? Yeah. Because the Cuba, ACC China. right now, who is the title sponsor for the ACC National Football, uh, Championship game? It's Dr. Pepper. Well, Dr. Pepper's uh, distribution company does a lot of businesses in countries that not only don't let LGBT people go to the bathroom they choose, they uh, punish them with death or imprisonment. You look at Brian Adams, he made the big deal. I'm not coming to North Carolina anymore because they have this law. Well, just a couple of years ago, he did a whole tour through the Middle East, which what they kill people in the LGBT community or they penalize them. You see Toyota was one of the big sponsors of the ACC and the ACC proudly says, these are our corporate champions. Well, Toyota has plants in, uh, I think it was uh, three states, Egypt, uh, two others that not only don't allow LGBT people to go to the bathroom that they choose, but actually punish them with death or imprisonment. So if you're really taking a stand, if you really care about this community and want to see them, uh, their safety and their health and their well-being taken care of, why do you continue to do business and push for things that would actually harm them? Not only that, 
But if you go to the NBA All-Star Game in New Orleans, now that it's not in Charlotte, what are you gonna, what's going to happen when you go to the arena? You're going to have men's restrooms, you're going to have women's restrooms. Right. What happens when you go to the ACC game now, wherever it goes? You're going to have men's restrooms, you're going to have women's restrooms. I wish they would be consistent and say, we think this is harmful. Let's open up every restroom at every one of our facilities. Let's make sure it's all-inclusive all across the board. That would go a long way instead of picking and choosing when you have these egregious violations of human rights over here. Yeah, there's been hypocrisy. I was going to say, that the divestment that, legislation yeah. is coming well, from right. Mr. Krause. I'm, What's interesting to me is that... Human rights divestment. Right. We're going to divest because of human rights issues. We're going to ban trade in certain countries that don't accord equality the way we agree with it. And I don't know that you would actually support that. But And, and we're going to require well, well, that all here, bathrooms a- be open to anyone to use and they'll be gender neutral, which, like, I'm cool with. And finally, like, I just to point out the... Cons- I wish everybody would be consistent... Um, that would be awesome, um, voters included. But um, but this is, I mean, this is the United States, and we do have a First Amendment, and there is free speech, and there is free association, and there are opportunities here for businesses to weigh in with a voice in that sure. they don't necessarily have in other places, and to call it out as somehow being, boy, I wish, sure wish they wouldn't pick on North Carolina because, look, they're in these other bad places, fails to acknowledge that in North Carolina, right, they are living in an, a more open society with a lot more free uh, speech and free association rights and are able to actually have an impact in ways that they might not be able to in other places around the world. Well, there's, hundreds, to, there, there's hundreds of businesses in North Carolina that have been Hold supporting. Up. My turn. Thank okay. you. <laughs> uh, Sorry. I want to ask. I want to ask actually the two of you specifically about what happened in Houston because you mentioned voters and the equal rights ordinance in Houston, which went down in flames and became a bathroom issue, a referendum on this bathroom issue. It was not just Republicans who turned out and voted against it. In fact, uh, there was high turnout among African American voters who voted against the equal rights ordinance. Traditionally Democratic voters. So I mean, you know. Are you guys listening to voters on this issue? Well, if you make it about fear and exclusively about bathrooms and not about protecting the most vulnerable in community, yeah, I can see how people might raise that, that uh, come to that conclusion. And furthermore, you know, we talked about coming, we, we heard from the other side, hey, you, you need to come to some sort of compromise. I don't think you ever compromise on, on human rights issues. I don't think so. And, and, and you usually don't put human rights issues on the ballot that way. I mean, I think that was, if you would have done that during Jim Crow, no problem. You know, African Americans would still be in separate uh, but equal. I mean, you just don't put basic and fundamental rights on, on the ballot like that. Um, the, the result, I think, surprised a lot of people, but, but in others, it didn't. And then, for, go ahead. Um, there's just a small point there, too. I, it was a short, yes, the voter spoke. I'm used to losing a lot in elections. Um, but there, what, what we learned on our side is that there is a lot of education that needs to be done. And I am a parent. And I did send my daughters to the public bathroom for the first time, right? And I know what that feels like. So I think it's really important that we acknowledge where people are and what they do know and don't know and what they do understand and don't understand. And we have a conversation. But I think beginning that conversation by demonizing or belittling anyone that's a part of it is the wrong way to start. And this kind of legislation 
would do that. To dog whistle. And I have a specific question for the two of you. You know, your, your party is at a crossroads right now, and you are seeking young voters, you're seeking millennials, you're trying, I mean, in a lot of ways, the GOP is trying to sort of reinvent itself. Uh, is this really the issue that you guys want on the top of your list right now? Well, we've seen young women be very engaged on this issue. I've mentioned the side a few times, ask me first, please. It's an effort of this type of issue where women want to be heard on this. They, weren't, they felt like they weren't asked about this issue. And so we have seen a lot of engagement. And you know, when you talk about issues of privacy and safety, when you talk about issues of public school, you talk about children that are very concerned. I have um, children as well that are school children today. I have a six-year-old daughter. I mean, these issues matter to parents that are voters. They matter to young people. There were a number of people that came out to the Fort Worth Independent School District when that issue came up. A lot of parents were there. There were a lot of students there that were concerned. And you look at the case of the young lady named Tanner up in Alaska who ran on a track team. Because these issues are based on laws and policies that don't just apply to bathrooms. They apply to other settings as well um, when it comes to athletics. And you see them having a girl having to run against someone who's a biological male and having a hard time or being put in a position where she may not be able to advance in her collegiate career or her athletic career because there's a biological male that's running the race as well. And so you do see young people continuing to gauge on these issues. And you know, and safety and privacy is worth it if people want to try to use economic bullying tactics to come after it, there's no question. And you have to ask yourself, is the NBA and the NCAA going to merge their women's teams and their men's teams? Because this is where the policy I don't think they you have, have to ask yourselves that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you asked, is this what we, we really want at the top of our ticket? I'll go back to the thing I said at the beginning. It wasn't our choice to have that. No, if, if I looked at the top 50 indicators of what we should be focusing on, this would probably not be one of them had it not been forced on us. But I so, get your party's press releases in my inbox, and boy, let me tell you how many of them have transgender bathroom issues at the top. Yeah, I agree, because it's become a focal point. It's become a national issue. In, in Fort Worth ISD, they serve about 80,000 students. If I remember right from what we were told, nine students were classified as, as transgendered where they needed accommodations. The transgendered students didn't ask for that new policy. The transgendered parents, uh, parents of the transgendered students did not ask for that policy. As far as I'm aware, no uh, principal, assistant principal, teacher, or student at those uh, institutions did not ask for that policy. That was generated from the superintendent. So when You know, you it was generated from a working group that worked for over a year on that issue that was okay. composed of teachers, parents, administrators. From Fort Worth ISD. From Fort Worth ISD. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, they had been working on it for a year, a year, before the lieutenant governor uh, showed up and tried to politicize that thing. Well, long you know before what, the you know lieutenant what governor showed up, the people showed up, if, and if that's you what let, mattered. If you let um, kids and parents and school administrators and teachers solve the problem locally, they're gonna get it right. I, I've, I saw it happen in the I case agree. of my constituent. They're gonna get it right. Fort because Worth ISD, I think. And, and, yeah, and coming in and sort of demonizing these kids and, and trying to call them out as aberrant uh, for political purposes is not the way to handle it. I'm not sure anybody called out those kids or called them aberrant, as far as I understand. I don't remember that said anywhere. I do agree with you, they will figure it out. And we saw that in Fort Worth. It wasn't so much the Lieutenant Governor or anybody else who drove that, it was Stand for Fort Worth, a group of taxpayers, a group of parents in that school district who really drove that process, and you should see the press conferences and everything they had, it was across demographic lines, it was across uh, socioeconomic lines. So I agree, I, I think that they do get it right at the local level when given a voice, they felt like they didn't have a voice. So 
Do you want to be spending all your time on this? No, not necessarily, but it's being forced on you. And we're seeing that when the people do have a chance to have a voice, they come back saying, we just want common sense regulations to keep our uh, children safe. Well, and to your point, Emily, about Houston, when you see that turnout, record turnouts in some precincts. I mean, some of the precincts, they voted 95 96% to vote that ordinance down. I mean, it, I mean they haven't, they've hardly ever seen anything like that. And your point was correct. You had African-Americans, you had Hispanics, you had North, South, East, and West, almost every type of demographic. Uh, folks that I know voted, uh, that we're aware of, that vote Democrat, that voted um, in that election in different races. And, and there were people that didn't even vote on anything else in that election, just that ordinance. And when you have 1,200 school districts across the state of Texas and a federal government saying, I will withdraw your federal funds from some of the most vulnerable students that are counting on those federal funds that need certain accommodations, mm -hmm. that have issues that they have to deal with. When you have the federal government saying, I'm going to take that away unless you allow boys into girls' bathrooms um, and you see the voter turnout in Houston and the result, that's why this issue has been elevated to such an important issue for privacy and safety and put the uh, state in a position where they feel like their constituents and their public school students deserve this type of action. We are going to go to the audience. There are microphones. Please line up at the microphones. The ground rules include questions. They end with a question mark, not speeches. And <laughs> these folks are going to be speedy, too, in their answers so that we can get to as many of you as possible. Yes, sir. Hi, my name is Peter Villalobos. I just graduated from the University of Texas School of Law. And one of the things Welcome, that I learned, baby. yeah, thank you. One Woo! of the things that I learned in my last semester was there's something that uh, is very prevalent in gender, uh, gender jurisprudence is like a stereotype <laughs> bias. And throughout this whole conversation, I've heard uh, talk of men going into women's restroom, boys going into women's restroom. And I think Houston, the most famous ad was of a gentleman going into a, a woman's restroom and trapping a little girl in there. So I want to, it's not much more of a question, but a respond to this no, thought. It needs to be a question. Yeah. Okay. Is it a question? Um, how do you respond to the, the idea that there is, <laughs> at its very foundation in this conversation, a sort of paternalistic stereotype, men have this role in society, women have this role, ding, role ding, in society? Ding, ding, Yeah. Who would like to take it? Yes. Yes, people deal in fear, right? I mean, it, and uh, they use it as a political ploy. It's nothing new, but it's disgusting. Protecting women is, this isn't the first time we've heard protecting women, and the Supreme Court actually had something to say about protecting women on House Bill 2. No evidence that it did any of that. Well, well look, and we, I mean, from what I've seen, Facebook had, what, 50, 60 different gender identities? I mean, there's a lot of discussion about these issues where you don't have a real standard in place to know is someone this, is someone that, and so there's a lot of discussion going on on that. When you make policy for the entire state, when you have the president saying we're going to force every public school district to do things a certain way based on a definition of gender identity that people don't even agree on. You may, you may see it one way, somebody sees it another, they think there's different identities. It makes it very difficult to have policy. But for decades or for however long you want to go back, it's not something that comes as a surprise to people, particularly people going to the bathroom thinking it says women on there and the other one says men. And so I think that's something that we've continued to see acknowledged as common sense. There aren't men. This is not about men in women's bathrooms. I mean, I know you guys have five cases where some man dressed up like a woman and tried to get into a bathroom. But in general, like, we're talking about non-discrimination policies that you oppose because it allows folks to go to the bathroom that they identify their gender with, period. It's about them. It's not about you, and it's not about me. And I choose what bathroom I go to. Everybody should choose where to pee. 
And, um, and, and I think it, 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 the question of gender stereotypes is exactly right. We men have to protect you women from sexual assault, um, and we know best about what your gender is, and that's not okay. Hi, my name's, ooh, loud. My name's Justin Atkinson. I'm a student here at UT Austin. And so it was mentioned before, but I think it's important to note that the rates of violence towards trans people, especially trans people of color, is importantly high, very high. And so making that you know, leap of faith, I guess, is it conceivable to you, to y'all on this opposing side, that the suicide rates will rise if a law like this is passed? Is this discrimination kind of like furthered in that sense? Well, what I've seen is in other countries where they have policies that are similar. But in the US, where we are. Well, I'm answering your question. In countries where they have policies, like it sounds like you support, or maybe Kathy supports, that um, change the law on these type of issues, um, we haven't seen a big difference in, in those suicide rates as compared to the United States. And so there's no proof that if you have a law like that, that it'll actually have some impact on that issue. I, I have concern for that. I mean, there's no question. You know, it's, it's tragic when you see people take their own life for whatever reason. I would love to see them get more help. I'd love for them to have freedom to talk to counselors about it and not have laws that say that there's only certain topics they can talk about and that those, some of those things are off topic for them to discuss with their counselor if they're struggling with an issue. I'd love for the parents to not feel like there's a law that restricts them on what topics they can talk about to a counselor on these issues. So. It is very related. When someone is considering suicide, to have a discussion with a counselor, I think it's very important. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Laura Dixon with Spurs Sports and Entertainment, and I am also a foster parent. My four-year-old son is brown. He does not look like me. And I'm curious if this becomes more of a single parent issue rather than a transgender issue. How are you going to police? How, what's the practical implication? How do you police this issue? I can't take my son into the bathroom. I'm leaving him in there with a bunch of men that he doesn't know. How is that safer for him? How well, do you, so, and to all of you, how, how, how do you police this? Right, so how do you um, police I appreciate it? your willingness to have this dialogue and your leadership on the issue. The conversation well, is so important. So I'm, I'm the father of two daughters, and um, I've been in the women's bathroom with them, and we've gone into a stall together. And because I asked them, you know, when they reach a certain age, they've also been in the men's bathroom, as you might imagine. When they got to go, they got to go. And at, at a certain age, they asked me, and they say, hey, you know, can, uh, I, I want to go in the women's bathroom. So we went in to a stall. I said, ladies, excuse me. I have my, my daughters here. Is it okay? Sure, no problem. Went, made their potty, wiped up, uh, pulled, pulled, pulled everything up, and came out. And that was it. There was no drama. There was no drama. But my, my daughters didn't, they were unable, even though they were old enough to want to identify and go into a women's bathroom, they were unable to, to do everything, and, and they needed my assistance. That's not a crime. Yeah. That's not a crime. My hunch is there are a lot more single parents out there than transgender, and maybe that's changing, but that's going to be hard to police. Well, what we see in North Carolina and other parts of the country is that when issues come up like this, whether it's case by case or something that's written in recommendations or proposed law or an ordinance, that they make exceptions for those things, that they make accommodations for those things. Because people understand you have young families, those situations come up, and so um, that's gonna happen in Houston. At some point with that ordinance, they were gonna punish people who felt like someone went into the wrong bathroom just for saying, hey, I think the wrong person went in there. And so you, know, you think about trying to come up with a way to balance these issues because sometimes People are looking to do harm, but sometimes people are just trying to look out for their children. And so that, we've seen that across the, 
the country of, of accommodating those things and looking for exceptions in the law like we see oftentimes. But you think the officials in Houston are so nefarious that they would not have made accommodations for single parents? I mean, that seems like you're casting aspersions on those elected officials while you're applauding the discriminatory actions of the elected officials in North Carolina. Honest to God, you have given us examples of people who put on a wig, and if we can't handle that on a case-by-case -case basis, and it hasn't even happened in Texas, and we have to pass a state law, but you're using a case-by-case -case basis of, of accommodating folks as your reason why it's okay, it makes absolutely no sense. Well, the, you go ahead, Matt. I, I, I was gonna say, so, so if you want to do it on a case-by-case -case basis, does that mean you're against local ordinances that do a blanket prohibition or a blanket they all, all They all work. I mean, we have now the 10 largest cities in Texas. Um, nine of them have some form of non-discrimination ordinance passed. And they all have various, they have made various accommodate in the same way that you do at the legislature, right? The, your law books are not, you know, 13 pages thick. They're hundreds and, you know, I'm sure it takes up, I'm not a lawyer, I'm the yeah. only non-lawyer up here, which makes me the winner. But um, <laughs> I had to do a lawyer joke. But, probably true. Right, they're thick because you've, you've, you've learned, right? And we've learned about uh, how important equality and lifting all boats and, and honoring all people is. We've had conversations like this before about race and about gender, and now we're having it about gender identity. And in the end, we can, I believe, figure out how to treat people equally um, and honor them and get it right. And we don't need to, to start that conversation by demeaning anyone. Well, in order to treat people honorably and equally, you can't ignore the other children and other people that are also in that bathroom when someone walks in there as well. I am the woman in that bathroom. You're not. <laughs> I mean, we, have, we do have stalls and we do have privacy and I'm not offended washing my hands next to a man and it's, it doesn't threaten me. And, and I worked in domestic violence and sexual assault. I have some experience here reliving the trauma happens in lots of different ways. And you're not talking about all of those different ways. You're culling these small bits of fear. Um, it, it's really hard for me to keep my cool about this, actually. But I am in those bathrooms. You know, I know what kind of privacy I expect. Well, and I've never, ever had an issue. Yep, let's keep questions coming. Yeah, hi. My name is David Wiley. I'm a faculty member at Texas State University. I'm also a, a former school board member. And I promise not to use New York Post or uh, Facebook as my references. Um, but two things uh, for the state reps. Are you guys for local control or not? Or is it just when it's convenient? And secondly, if you're really worried about all these kids in school, you're going to take some of this energy from this manufacturer crisis and maybe spend it on trying to adequately funding public schools. Yeah. So I'm not... I'm a former school board member as well in Dallas ISD. I, I think for the most part on, on issues of students, uh, when you have teachers and parents and administrators and school board members working on, on something, you, you get it right, you figure it out. Uh, I, I think that's the best place to figure things out, not in Austin. And uh, so I, I am for local control. And great violence has been done on local control last session, and uh, they're coming back for more this session. And I'm sure he supports fully funding public schools. Word. I think, 
And, I think the question you, is directed You said you're a way, professor? Perhaps. Yeah. What, what uh, subject? I teach actually in health education, do teen okay. pregnancy prevention and sex okay. ed. So well, I'll talk to you about that too if you have a few minutes. There you go. <laughs> we, uh, so, so when you have the local control debate, because I hear a lot of times hey, you're hypocritical. You're telling Washington, D.C. to stay out of our stuff, but yet you're trying to tell the localities what they're supposed to do. They're completely different structures set up, right? Our founding fathers set up the Constitution as a document of enumerated powers, right? So if it's not in the Constitution, it's left to the states. The state government isn't set up that way. It's got much more broad jurisdiction, much more broad ability to reach out into things. So uh, you can't just claim local control for everything when you're impinging on somebody's constitutional rights, their property rights, or something other. It's, it's useful as a, uh, it, it's actually, it's a tool. It's a great tool when used correctly, but it's not a rule that local control wins every time. You've got to take into account with, with the Denton fracking ban, uh, local control, right? Denton should be able to do what it did, but it greatly infringed upon people's private property rights. So in that case, the state has to come in and say, okay, we understand local control. It can be very valuable, and as much as possible, we want to diffuse power to the localities as much as possible. But when a locality seeks to do something that's against fundamental mm -hmm. constitutional rights, private property rights, then the state has to step in. So case-by-case case basis, you have to go back to, is local control working there? Is it in its proper jurisdiction? Should the state have some say in here or should it not? Uh, in terms of fully funding our education, I think we need to fund it as efficiently and effectively as possible to make sure our students are getting a great education. And I, I, it, it would be great if the Fort Worth ISD superintendent was focused on just getting kids through high school and graduating out of high school. The, the rates are low. I know he's trying to do some good work. That's why I would love to kids are killing themselves in Fort Worth yeah. ISD, they don't graduate. Who, okay. Who if kids, if trans ISD. kids are committing suicide, they don't graduate. Okay. We talked earlier about the suicide rates among trans Absolutely. kids. Absolutely. We talked about the bullying. The superintendent was trying to protect those kids, trying to protect those kids. If well, not, they drop out. They don't graduate. They kill themselves. That's so, it. So, so it's your opinion that we can deal with that issue as well as funding issues? My, my, my opinion is that you leave it to the locals. They get it right most of the time. And yes, we need to do better on public ed. Well, and I will say this about local control. Local control should not be just local control by an elected official. If you went to any of the hearings at the city of Houston on that issue, um, I think the local control was expressed by the will of the people. What about the local control by the people that spoke out? Meeting after meeting after meeting, spent two years, had to go all the way up to the Texas Supreme Court and face an army, 10, 12 different lawyers from the city of Houston while our side had one or two going through all of this litigation, having pastor sermons subpoenaed, all kinds of stuff. What about the, the will of the local people? Let's not forget that as well, particularly when it's expressed 6139. You know, we put constitutional rights on the ballot back in, in, in 2005 and 2006. It was my first session in the legislature uh, in the form of a marriage discrimination bill. That passed overwhelmingly. It didn't make it any more constitutional. And thank you for the o Obergefell decision. When you, put, when you put human rights, when you put civil rights on the ballot, yeah, they're going to go down sometimes. It doesn't make it right or constitutional. So, so because I know how long these guys talk, this is going to be the last question. Sorry. Yeah. Hi, my name is Tori Carroll, and I'm a student at Tarleton State University. I study communications. Um, I am also a former president of our Gay Straight Alliance, and so I've done a lot of LGBT advocacy. And um, I also want to let you know that you are speaking to a person that has been sexually assaulted, and so I am one of those people that you could find on your, was it, please ask me first or whatever, whatever the website is called. You might not use that um, website. I might not use that website, but um, what my question is, is if this issue is not about transgender people, if this issue is about sexual assaults, physical assaults, if it's about peeping, then what differences can we make to the laws that are already existing that would enforce 
the laws that are already there stronger and make sure that actual people who commit these crimes are actually prosecuted. Yeah, I, absolutely. We, we, we should do that. And as uh, Chairman Anchia said, penalty enhancements, why not uh, make it much uh, more difficult or much more harsh of a penalty when that happens? That, that, I'm great with that. But that doesn't mean that we have to step aside from this issue as well or give up our concerns that maybe this is actually adding to that instead of taking away from uh, in these situations. So I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I think you can move for the harsher penalties on one case by also still saying, hey, there, just seems to be a little concerning. There could be some issues. Like in that case in Washington, they said the law was written so poorly that people who were set out to do bad things would take advantage of it. Let's not give them that opportunity. All right, I have uh, just one bit of housekeeping before we depart. I just want to let you know that anyone who becomes a Tribune member or renews their membership, even ups their current membership by a single dollar by midnight tonight, will be eligible for a prize package that includes both two nights at El Cosmico in Marfa and two nights at the St. Cecilia in Austin. Awesome. That's a pretty incredible deal. So uh, just anybody in Teal out there can help you out or texastribune.org. Uh, thanks so much to our panelists. Thanks to you all for engaging in this conversation. We really appreciate it. <laughs>